The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My name is Elizabeth. I just want you to know I never listen to I Doubt It with Jesse Dollamore because he reminds me of Sarah Limbaugh, and I don't like him. Bye. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 632 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, as always. And as always, I am joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the clean-teethed Brittany Page, everybody. I, I think it's important that we use the platform that we have here to inform the people. You know what I mean? I think that's what we do. But but specifically about what this time? Well, about how nothing that we do on the internet is actually anonymous. (laughs) You may hope that it is, and you may select options that tell you that it is. Well, let's... let's, But that's pretty much never the case. Let's back up. Okay. We have regaled the audience with tales of our dentist visits for a while now. They're so riveting. Well, I... I have long contended and bitched about the fact that modern dentistry, the practice of dentistry, the business of the practice of dentistry, has really turned into a a morass of of dollar of grabbing dollars as many as they can. So it, it seems to me that when I go in, I'm being upsold this or that. And I'm really getting, it's like going on to a fucking car lot, a used car lot, that it's a lot of, of really aggressive salesmanship. They have special people who work within these practices to come in to sell you on the shit that's not covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, and what really led to this discussion was last time I went in and the dentist told me that there was what looked like a cavity underneath a very old filling. And when I say very old, I'm talking like more than 15 years. And it wasn't causing me pain. There was none of that. But he you also, wouldn't have known about it he also hadn't wasn't, you gone to the dentist. He also wasn't certain certain that it was a cavity. There was some, it looked dark gray underneath the filling and he couldn't really tell, but he thinks it was and yeah, he was concerned because it, it was been, close to the root. It could have been just schmutz on the, on the x-ray. And so he said, listen, in order to avoid a root canal, we should redo this filling and we should get the cavity out of there. Which... For the audience's advocation, sends Brittany into a, a spiral of worry 
and thoughts of what possibly could be going wrong. Well, I've never had a root canal, and I don't want any part of that. Right, right, right. But it's also when a medical professional tells you something's bad news, you believe that it really is bad news. Yeah, so I agreed to do it, and then afterward he tells me that that if I'm in pain for more than two days... For longer than two days after the filling, that I'm probably going to need a root canal, yeah. and he's going to refer me to some specialist. And I was like totally out of it. I was pissed off. I couldn't believe what I'm hearing because the only reason I agreed to do it was so that I didn't have to get a root canal. So anyway, he tells you when he's done. Oh, hey, by the way, yeah, you're probably still going to need a root canal, right? So anyway, um, I didn't because I didn't have any pain, but I still got an email three days later saying, "Hey, we're when referring you, you to the specialist. Yeah. We heard it was important. Whatever." So that seemed shady to me. Anyway, several things happen where I'm just like, mm, don't know about this. So I went to the dentist the other day. Also, I paid $1,000 to get my fucking teeth cleaned. So I went to the dentist the other day <laughs> and the same kind of thing happened where I'm just getting a cleaning. Listen, I don't floss my teeth every day, but I floss my teeth almost every day. Yeah, you do. For sure. And I... I do not. Okay. <laughs> Well, and I'm being honest about it, right? Yeah. I, I certainly don't do it every day I should, but I certainly do it almost every day. I, yeah. During, three, three days a week, for sure. More than the average person, certainly. Yeah. And yeah. That's not really saying much, though. And when... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. Um. Anyway, and I can just tell that he's like getting ready to sell me on my next thing. Like telling me that I'm going to need a partial crown on one of my teeth because it's so overrun by a filling from when I was young, you know, it's another old filling. And I'm just like, well, if it's not hurting me, like, what does it matter? Anyway, I can tell he's, he's, he's getting ready for the next appointment to be the hard sell. He's setting himself up. He's planting the seed of the problem that you will have six months from now. Right. Yeah. So that I'm prepared for the hard sell when it comes. And that's just the vibe that I'm getting every time I come here is that it's either a hard sell or it's preparing me for the next appointment where there will be a hard sell and then the hard sell. And it's a cycle of that. Yeah. And so after this appointment, I got a, an email from them and it said hey thanks for visiting us take this review or take to follow this link to fill out a review about your visit and I was like you know what I'm kind of pissed off I'm gonna do this review uh, <laughs> and I was honest and there came a section where I could actually write in my feelings type out my feelings about the visit and so I I just wrote what you talked about earlier how I was feeling that I I missed the days when it was about your health and it wasn't constant upselling and that I feel every time I go in, I'm either going to be upsold or I'm being prepared for the eventual upselling. Right. You just, you wrote a transcript of the, the intro segment of this program. Yeah. (laughs) I just let him have it. Oh yeah. And (laughs) not really, but, um, and then afterward there was, there was two buttons and one of them said Brittany page and the other one said anonymous meaning that I could submit my survey here with my name attached to it or anonymously. Yeah. And so I clicked anonymous. Of course. Because I did not want to be attached to this review. Yeah, you want to send them a little a little helpful hint, a little tip. Yeah. A little tip from an anonymous uh, character, a, a, a patient. Yeah. And then later that day, I get a voicemail. <laughs> Hi, Brittany. This is Dr. Industry. I'm giving you a call tonight. I got a chance to take a look at your review that you wrote. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. 
Um, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come off as um, unsure about what treatment I was looking at there. I just uh, I want to make sure we try to keep you healthy and keep you in, uh, in a good position. And if you have any other questions for me, please feel free to give me a call back. That phone number is 714. I really appreciate you taking the time to let me know um, what's going on. And uh, I apologize if I came off as a uh, kind of cell treatment or anything like that. So hope you're doing well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. So there's a couple things that strike me here. Awkward. One, one is clearly... It wasn't anonymous. Yeah. First and foremost, that that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, I don't think he got the gist of the review because he's talking about like being wishy-washy about the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That wasn't your problem. No. No. So do you and think... And I, I used the word upselling at least three times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was... It was not ambiguous. Yeah. I was not being unclear. So... Do you think here mm-hmm. that he's just trying to three-card money? He's moving the shells around underneath the ball, underneath the shells, to try to distract you from what your main opinion... Like, you're so dumb, you're going to be, oh, maybe that was what was going on, and not what I really think and know it was. I mean, I have no idea, but what I do know is that he now knows that I know what's going on here. Yeah. And that's probably not a comfortable place for him to be. And it's also not a comfortable place for me to be now that we both know what's happening here and everything has been exposed. So he does, after all, put his hands in your mouth. He does. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so there needs to be some trust there. Right. Well, it's a little weird that, that the anonymous part of this thing went straight into his fucking into his into his email box with your goddamn name attached. Yeah, they're going to have to change that. OK, because yeah. it's really not a feature then don't say that it's a feature. Yeah, right? it's like when you do your your, your studies in, in, in for your master's degree, mm-hmm. you have to be open and honest about what the parameters are. You can't say, oh, it's totally anonymous when you actually are collecting all the data that, that you said you wouldn't collect. When I did my study for my master's degree. Yeah, what did I say? You use like present tense, I believe. Eh, loosey-goosey. Not, not currently doing it. So I'm getting ready. Years ago. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I am going to call and set my next appointment for my uh, mouth hole cleaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a conversation at dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. This is going really long, but it, we had a conversation at dinner tonight about whether or not he was going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey. So, Brittany. Yeah. And uh, I kind of hope he does. Well, I wonder how often this has happened to people where they were like trying to surreptitiously send a message and they didn't necessarily want their name to be attached to it. And then it's like, oh, it, it was. Yeah, yeah. Your name is on it. <laughs> no good. Uh, I mean, I'm happy that it's out in the open, honestly, because maybe something will change now. And instead of just like putting the pressure on me and scaring me like a, a rental car salesman does, he'll be honest with me. Yeah, it's the same thing when you go to get tires. Yeah. And those guys... It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And they give you the old, oh, you don't want that tire. What, is it unsafe? Is that an unsafe... Oh, no, it's not unsafe. Then what the fuck are you saying? Why is it so bad you that I shouldn't buy it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it just... It's not as expensive as these other ones. Yeah. Same kind of deal. Yeah. yeah I mean, you encounter but, this in every field, but you shouldn't encounter it yes, in a healthcare that's setting. That's what I was going to say. But you, that's fine if you're selling me tires or if you're trying to buy, get me to buy the BMW rather than the Toyota Corolla. It's not okay when you're my goddamn dentist and there are legitimate health ramifications that could befall you if you don't have clean teeth. Yeah. Heart disease. Yeah. 
Anyway. Should we go to some voicemails? We should. I would like to know from the audience is that if, if, if this is something they experienced with their dentist, this is not the way it used to be a decade or so ago. Well, we've talked to people and they say it's not. So I was also going to correct you in the beginning because you were speaking very generally about the practice of dentistry. Hey, it's my experience, therefore, is fact. Oh, okay. Uh, Isn't that the way it works? No, but several people that we've <laughs> talked to, they're like, yeah, you just need to find a new dentist because that should not be the experience. This is our new dentist. Yeah, they're saying you should find another one. <laughs> it just, our life just is a rotation of perpetual new dentists. Yeah. Anyway, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email your voice memos to the show from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get to some voicemails. We, we, we've we been talking about Veterans Day and a bunch of kind of a mishmash of different topics over the course of the last few episodes after, I guess, one episode after having come off vacation. And we've got a couple of voicemails addressing those items. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, this is Chris. A um, couple things. Uh, first, probably most importantly, Jesse's 100% Hermione Granger. Ah. Um, secondly, I kind of would like some feedback. Uh, you guys were talking about the, the veteran and, and, you know, the service thing. Uh, my father was, you know, he is an older guy. He came in during the Vietnam era. He volunteered to serve in the Coast Guard. And I struggle with kind of acknowledging that, you know, he's a veteran. You know, he, he gets the veteran benefits and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I kind of talk to other people, not other veterans, but talk to other people about it, and, and they kind of think that, you know, like, whatever, he's still a veteran. And, and, Brittany, let me preface this. I probably am deflecting some daddy issues on this, so I'm aware of that. But I'm curious to, to get somebody that's a little bit more, like, yes, you're a veteran, you're a little bit more kind of rational than – than a lot of other people that I see that, that, that w- with this topic. So I'm curious to your take. Yes, I acknowledge that he did serve the country, but I also acknowledge, too, that it wasn't, you know, I, I almost put it against, like, this yardstick. Well, it wasn't like, you know, he was like you were a Marine or an Army or something where he was really met. But the fact of the matter is he did kind of serve the country, and he helped um, on, on a Coast Guard medical ship uh, with, with soldiers. Uh, so I'm just curious to get some feedback, and, and, and I know I'm going to get blasted for that, but it is something I kind of struggle with internally. Um, so, And then the third point, talking about the Trump supporters, if you are at a dinner or whatever, a social gathering, and you aren't a fan of Trump, and you are surrounded and not vocal about expressing that, I would not only be compelled, I'd feel like a complete hypocrite and a coward. Again, we're not talking something that's not intimately – um, detrimental, and, and that's not really, really bad. This is not a passive uh, uh, kind of situation where silence is, is okay. Silence breeds this type of stuff. So just kind of kind of throwing it out there once I heard you guys talking about that. Like, what, what kind of effing coward would you be if you didn't do that? Um, like, when you see injustice, you've got to stand up for it. And yes, the Trump regime is injustice. Anyway, uh, glad that you guys are back. I was starting to get a little twitchy like uh, Pookie. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll listen. Thanks. Bye. There it is. Cut off right then? That's the end. Oh, okay. So, well, I, well I, first, I, can I just say about the Hermione Granger thing? Is yeah. that what you want to talk about? No. Okay. I don't even know what that means, that I'm Hermione Granger. 
I don't even know. What does that mean? Do you know? Uh, I think it's just a joke. I think it's a little joke. No, I, I get it, but I, I don't like what characteristics. I never took one of the BuzzFeed things. So what characteristics make up Hermione Granger? I, I think the psychometrics on those quizzes is not, right. it's not super sound. I get so, it. It's a joke. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assess on it. I do want to say, you know, he said, um, Brittany, something about daddy issues, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't come after me. I hope that I don't give off the impression that I listen to voice mails and voice memos and read emails from listeners and start dissecting the psychology behind the things that they say and then shame them or pathologize them endlessly. One, that would be fucking exhausting to go through life, putting someone through the filter of some psychological diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, sure, because of my training, when I hear certain things, I may hear them in a different way than other people do. But I'm also not one of these, oh, those are the daddy issues coming through. Mm. Hey, Brittany. I think it was a joke. <laughs> uh, deserve, deserve that. No, I don't know that it was a joke, but it's kind of like when people meet us and they're like, oh, hey, uh, oh, psychologist, huh? Oh, therapist, huh? Well, it must be a tough one for you, huh, buddy? I, I get that. Yeah. or But even when I meet people, they're like, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't start looking into me too much. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Any Uber driver who ever asks what you do, that's, that's their immediate thing. Either that or they say, don't read my thoughts. Yeah. And I say, that's a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> very similar. Yeah. Oh, very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Just as similar as astrologer and astronomer. Exactly. Exact same profession. Yeah. One has a master's of arts. The other's a master of science. But I hope that I, <laughs> but I hope that I have demonstrated on the show that I am someone who takes into account many different variables and factors and tries to look at things from all sides. And I don't just, you know, go to the black and white thinking, right? Yeah. And also, Chris, get over your daddy issues. <laughs> Wow. I I do want to say, so he seemed very uncomfortable talking about his father's service and his view of that. But I I have heard, and of course, we're going to defer to your expertise, Jesse D, having been in the military, having been a Marine. But there is not only the... I was a Marine. Yes. Did you know that? There, well, birdball anchor. Uh, there was, <laughs> <laughs> there, there is this thing that exists where there's a competition among the yeah. different branches in the military. Inter-service rivalry. Right. But you also do have veterans and then you have combat veterans. Sure. Right. Yeah. So there's even, I, and I think that's what he may have been getting at talking about his father's service that maybe it wasn't in combat, for example. No, that's not, it's not what I gathered. Oh, okay. Well, first I'd like to know when his father served, but pre nine 11, I don't know if you know this or if the audience knows this pre nine 11, the coast guard was a department of the transportation. Mm. You, it, you look so gleeful while you're saying this. Yeah. Well, let me, well, first let me, let me give some props to, <laughs> let me give some props to, to the coast guard. Okay. Second most difficult boot camp. Mm. Yeah. It's as physically demanding as the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. They just don't fuck with your brain. Okay. It's it's just they don't psychologically break you down kind of a thing. Interesting. Very physically demanding. Yeah. But it it, it traditionally for the for the for the majority of its existence mm-hmm. wasn't a Department of Defense outfit. It was a Department of Transportation. Mm. 
However, yeah, your dad served. He for sure served. You know, out there, whether it even be, you know, a joint task force, drug interdiction type of units and, and duties. Risking his life. For sh- I mean, I'm not going to go, oh, fucking hero, because that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, your dad served his country and uh, and should be, you know, given whatever modicum of respect that you give to any other individual, mm-hmm. whether he was Marine or Army or Air Force. I mean, I give a lot of shit, mm-hmm. you know, to people in the Air Force because it was, you know, they walk around in Greyhound bus driver uniforms, but mm-hmm. that's all in jest. Yeah. You still volunteered. You still did your time. Your dad could still be a raging asshole. It's possible because there's lots of dickholes in the service. Sounds like it might be likely given the voicemail. Yeah, but that doesn't doesn't mean he didn't serve. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. hope that helps. <laughs> I hope that helps. <laughs> Our other voicemail is regarding... <laughs> Donald Trump supporters. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is John from Northern Michigan here, uh, you know, freezing my ass off in this blizzard we've got going on. Um, I just wanted to point something out real quick. You guys talked about on your most recent episode um, about how you were surprised or shocked or alarmed. I can't remember the verbiage exactly um, that so many Trump supporters were so vocal about it. You know, if they were at a dinner party with people with opposing views, they would be so gung-ho about sharing their opinion that they love Donald Trump. Um, I felt like that was the obvious answer. Um, Because if you really think about it, um, let's say you're at a dinner party and, you know, a bunch of people who don't like Trump are talking and they're talking about all these statistics and facts and what they see on the news. Um, I feel like it'd be very easy to pipe in and try to champion Donald Trump because, He's given his supporters an out card via fake news. So when you're arguing with a Trump supporter, any kind of information you try to bring up is going to be disregarded as fake news. He's kind of equipped them with that tool, and that's in their mind. So when they say, oh, I love Donald Trump because he's building the wall, and you say, well, he actually hasn't done shit to build a wall anywhere, he actually really hasn't done shit at all as a president except fuck up, and here's all my facts. They have, they've been equipped by him to just say, well, that's fake. That's just the media turning, you know, your bias against him. And, you know, the media is out to get him and you're falling for it. And that just hardens them in their stance. Um, and that's why I think the percentage of people who would speak up in the first place, I think it was in like the low 40s, that's probably why that's not higher towards the 80s or 90s too, because we've been conditioned that these conversations don't go anywhere. Because when you try to have the conversation with a Trump supporter, it all comes back to the media is out to get him, and none of the facts you have are right because he's telling his supporters that the facts are wrong and they trust him and believe him. Um, so I just th- thought that was interesting. You guys were so surprised. I felt I feel like it's obvious Trump supporters are going to be super vocal because, of course, they're going to be. They don't have to actually have facts on their side. So... Uh, Brittany's the best part. Blah blah blah. Have a good one. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. You just Bye. you just got blah blah blah. That was a super genuine one. I really appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany's a something something something. So that reminded me of a Bertrand Russell quote, uh, and I'm sure 
everyone is familiar with this. The whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves and wiser people so full of doubts. Yeah. And I think fucking true, man. I think that's the the theme that we were hearing there. Well, this this reminds me that we forgot to talk about the thing on Chris's call. So I'm going to go back to that, but th- this is the reason, John, that that I, I I'll speak for myself, although I think I can speak for Brittany on this. The reason we were surprised is that during the 2016 election, all of the polling was skewed that they suspect because when they go to ask someone, hey, who are you going to support? People were embarrassed to say Donald Trump or for whatever reason, they wouldn't say Donald Trump. That's why they called them the silent majority because they were quiet about it for whatever reason. So it, it shocked me that it was the liberals who were quiet and not not uh, open to saying whatever they felt, and that Trump supporters were so emboldened because that's not the way it used to be. Was that the way you felt about it too? No. So I'm glad that you don't speak for me. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Goddamn. I think it's because in the Pew scenario, it's a table full of whatever a table full of either Trump supporters or. Democrats, and then one holdout at the table who is contemplating whether to share their genuine opinion. Mm. That seems like an intimidating situation for someone that doesn't have knowledge, that doesn't have facts, that only has fake news. I guess I just see it a different way than John does. Hmm. He sees it as making things easier. And I agree that from their perspective many of the trump supporters that probably is the case that they can just easily dismiss things baby. and i guess i'm just seeing it from my biased perspective where i feel like that makes it more difficult because i don't think it's a genuine defense in their minds in many of their minds i think that they know that they can't debate i think that they know that they don't have anything valid to say or to add a valid defense. And yeah. that's why you see so much emotionality, so much anger right off the bat and so much dismissing with simple phrases like fake news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because they have nothing else. And that's not a strength. Yeah. Well, John, that's a is, weakness. John is right that that is kind of a new thing on the political landscape mm-hmm. uh, to be able to just say fake news and then have that be an argument. Yeah. Yeah. That, that for sure is new. Yeah. Yeah. So and 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 so that's where I think I'm coming from. Where I I feel like it would be more intimidating to a Trump supporter to be at a table full of Democrats who are going into depth reasons yeah. why they dislike Donald Trump, and then they feel like they want to pipe up and say they love the president, and everyone just kind of turns and looks at them like, why, <laughs> why do you love the president? Oh goddamn! I wish we were a video. Please podcast. inform us. I wish everyone could see your face right now because it is filled. <laughs> It just contempt is pouring off of your face. I am a remarkable actress. You are. It yeah. is yeah. remarkable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, back back to Chris's point. Yes. I don't believe that it's cowardice, Chris, in a situation like this, being a liberal who doesn't want to engage. And it's not even that you're conflict averse. And maybe it's just not worth the hassle kind of a deal. Listen, that wouldn't work for me. I would for sure fucking pipe up. It sounds to me, Chris, like you would as well. But I wouldn't be so quick. I would caution you to not be so quick to label someone cowardly 
or weak or not standing against what's wrong. Like it's some, this, this, this high falluting, uh, you know, mission of, of righteousness. Yeah. A lot of people are just like, ah, fuck, it's not worth talking to these assholes. And I get that. It's not my style, mm-hmm. uh, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely complicated. Yeah, for sure. And I think when people read that question, they probably went through different scenarios. If I say something, would this happen? If I don't say something, how would I feel? You know, Am I going to be sent into a rage and choke someone out at the table? I mean, <laughs> all these things come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'd love your thoughts on this. 657-464-7609. As always, we would like to have your voice memos as well. Email them from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Mendy. Mendy. And Daniel. Daniel. Thank you so much to the two of you who have joined Patreon to support us in what we do. We could not do this without you and your beautiful support. So we also want to give a shout out to Holly. Holly is a Patreon supporter who contacted us and let her know that to let us know that there had been an issue with her card. And she sent us money on PayPal for the months that she had missed on Patreon. Way unnecessary, but super appreciated. Unbelievable. Yeah, I... I'm just floored by the kindness and the generosity that Holly showed us in doing that. And we hope that you got your card situation figured out. That is always a frustrating situation when there's fraud. Yeah. Uh, So thank you so much for thinking of us, especially in a time where you're going through something difficult, like experiencing fraud on your card. It's moving. Yeah. We we just want to thank you so much for that because that meant a lot to us. Um, It also reminds us that there's a lot of people out there who uh, whose cards have expired, mm-hmm. and you might want to check on that. I, I don't know if... if Because I don't think Patreon alerts people. They do not. The other ways to, to support the show, as I stumble through my words, would be dollamore.com slash Amazon. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, you can rate and review the show. And of course, the tried and true way to continue to support the show is by listening. The most important way to support the show, in fact, is by listening. And we appreciate each and every one of you who take your time, who take the time. It is their time. Time out of your day to do that. Thank you guys so much. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Thanksgiving's coming up, everybody. Wow, look at you. I, I, I fucking button hooked them. You're a trickster. They thought they were done. We have received several submissions at this point, which is very nice. But listen, it's not enough. 
Okay. About a tenth what we need. So. We need ten times as many as we've received. If you want to save me from having to listen to Jesse whine about how the episode is not going to happen yet again. Hey, man. Then please. What do you mean whine? Send in a voice memo. These are legitimate grievances that I'm airing. Okay. So here's what we want you to do. Think about the past year. Think about what you're thankful for. Record a voice memo in a quiet non-echoey closet or some other environment that is very quiet and not echoey. Listen, if you have a closet big enough to be echoey, you've got a lot to be fucking thankful for. I'll (laughs) tell you that right now. Also, do not use profanity in your voice memo because remember the Thanksgiving episode is a family-friendly episode. We envision you putting it on on Thanksgiving Day with your family while you're cooking or whatever. Yeah, it's all good news. It's a positive family-friendly, profanity-free episode. Also, feel free to avoid thanking us. Not just feel free. Do not thank us. We appreciate it, but it's not what the episode's about. Well, it causes me more work because I have to edit it out. And we know it's all about me, apparently. Yeah, so please send those in. It's a very moving episode. We really enjoy doing it. The listeners really enjoy hearing it, and we want to hear from you. If you're thinking about doing it and you're kind of nervous... Go back and listen to the old episodes. I think it will help give you inspiration, but also help give you some guidance for what you might want to yeah. say. You can go to dollamore.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, type in Thanksgiving. It will bring up all the Thanksgiving episodes. You can also go on YouTube, type in Dollamore Thanksgiving, and there's a few episodes up there as well. The other thing that I think is good about this episode is you could be a part of lifting someone's spirit. It's the thing I take away from this episode every year. This is our sixth year doing this, is that there are things that I take for granted that people are thankful for, and it reminds me of other things that I that I should be thankful for that I'm not appreciating, that I'm taking for granted. Anyway, again, email your voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And now we will get to the actual Dollamocracy. This episode is strictly going to be talking about day one and day two of public testimony in the impeachment inquiry. But before we get to Bill Taylor and George Kent's testimony and Maria Yovanovitch, we're going to talk about the bombshell thing that came out today that's related to Bill Taylor's testimony. Bill Taylor testified to Uh, Something that wasn't in his closed door deposition. A revelation that a staffer heard a conversation between the president of the United States, Donald fucking Trump, and Gordon Sondland, the, the ambassador to the EU. And on that conversation, during that conversation, his phone was up so loud that they could hear Donald Trump's side of the conversation. Where he was asking about the investigations. And Sondland was apparently like showing it, like flaunting that he was talking to the president and everyone knew what was going on. Well, after the public hearing today with Maria Yovanovitch, this individual, David Holmes, David Holmes gave a closed door hearing and CNN got a copy of his opening statement and it is likely going to cause Donald Trump some problems. Bono, I understand you have new information on what uh, this U.S. Embassy official has been saying under oath to these committee members. Yeah, and I actually have obtained the opening statement from this aide 
of, of uh, Bill Taylor, the top diplomat in Ukraine, the aide David Holmes, delivering this statement, a 10-page, very detailed opening statement discussing exactly what has come out this week. He overheard a phone call between President Trump and Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the European Union, in which the president was calling for investigations into his political rival, Joe Biden, wanting Ukraine specifically to launch the investigation. So I'm going to read from you a portion of this opening statement that details the lunch that Gordon Sondland had with President Trump in which the president was calling for these investigations. Uh, so it says, says this. During the lunch, Ambassador Sondland said that he was going to call President Trump to give him an update. Ambassador Sondland placed a call on his mobile phone, and I heard him announce, announce himself several times along the lines of Gordon Sondland holding for the president. It appeared that he was being transferred through several layers of switchboards and assistance. I noticed that Ambassador Sondland's demeanor changed and understood that he had been connected to President Trump. While Ambassador Sondland's phone was not on a speakerphone, I could hear the president's voice through the earpiece of the phone. The president's voice was very loud and recognizable, and Ambassador Sondland held the phone away from his ear for a period of time, presumably because of the loud volume. So that explains, Wolf, how these people were able to overhear what the president was saying. Now, he goes on to say this. I heard Ambassador Sondland greet the president and explain that he was calling from Kiev. I heard President Trump then clarify Ambassador Sondland was in Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland replied, yes, he was in Ukraine. And he went on to state that President Zelensky, quote, loves your ass. I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigation. Ambassador Sondland replied that he's going to do it adding that President Zelensky will do, quote, anything you ask him to, even though I did not take notes of these. Is it just me or is this kind of sexual? <laughs> There's a fucking innuendo here. It's like listening to a bunch of frat bros. It's also because the way that Manu Raju is reading this. Yeah. He loves your ass. <laughs> I think he says, oh, he loves your ass. I think that's the way he said it, not he loves your ass. He'll do anything you want him to. God damn. <laughs> He's really getting into it. <laughs> statements, I have a clear recollection that these statements were made. I believe that my colleagues who were sitting at the table also knew that Ambassador Sondland was speaking with the president. So before I go on, I just want to reiterate what he says here. Wolf, he says that I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigations, referring, of course, to the investigations that the president had asked for the day before with President Zelensky, the investigations of his political rival, Ambassador Sondland, said he's going to do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to. So I'll read a little bit more from this statement that it discusses more about the conversation that the European Union ambassador had with President Trump. The conversation then shifted to Ambassador Sondland's efforts on behalf of the president to assist a rapper who was jailed in Sweden. And I could only hear Ambassador Sondland's side of that part of the conversation. Ambassador Sondland told the president that the rapper was kind of effed here and should have pled guilty. This is referring to another episode. Uh, of course, he re recommended that the president will wait until after the sentencing or it will make it worse, adding that the president should let him get sentenced, play the racism card, get him a ticker tape when he comes Jesus home. Christ. Ambassador Sondland further told the president that the Sweden should have released him on your word, but that you can, call, you can tell the Kardashians you tried. So then he starts talking about towards the end of this phone call. He said after the phone call, after the call ended, Ambassador Sondland remarked that the president was in a bad mood, as Ambassador Sondland stated was often the case early in the morning. And then he says, I then took the opportunity to ask Ambassador Sondland for his candid impression of the president's views on Ukraine. 
In particular, I asked Ambassador Sondland if it was true that the president did not give an S about Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland agreed that the president did not give an S about Ukraine. I asked, why not? And Ambassador Sondland stated that the president only cares about the, quote, big stuff. I noted that there was big stuff going on in Ukraine, like a war with Russia. And Ambassador Sondland replied that the, quote, big stuff, that benefits the president like the Biden investigation that Mr. Giuliani was pushing. This is not good for Donald Trump. Because Republicans have been bending over backwards trying to distance himself, even though we have the transcript summary. They've been trying to act like there is no narrative of a conspiracy here to run shadow diplomacy and uh, extort some kind of a result out of the Ukrainian president. When clearly Donald Trump had his thumb on this, wanted to know, asking directly, is he going to do the investigation? Which, by the way was brought up on the phone call the day before. July 25th was the transcript summary. The call was that day. The very next day, he's having a conversation with Sondland, who's in Kiev, Ukraine, asking these questions. Now, keep in mind, this was the private Closed-door deposition. This individual will most certainly be a public witness, and we're going to get a hear up front what happened. Well, and this individual, David Holmes, said that he is personally aware of the episodes that Bill Taylor testified to about Sondland, saying that everything, quote, everything relied on announcing an investigation, but Holmes said that Taylor told him on September 8th, quote, now they're insisting Zelensky commit to the investigation in an interview with CNN. Yeah. Commit to an investigation of Hunter Biden. Yeah. The Bidens. Quote, I was surprised the requirement was so specific and concrete, David Holmes said. So you heard a lot of the Republicans during the beginning of the public impeachment hearings talking about how the information is secondhand, thirdhand information. Yeah, fourthhand I even heard. Right. They keep complaining about, oh, when are we going to get the actual people who are involved here who actually heard what they heard, blah, blah, blah. Well, this guy was in close proximity. Yeah. Heard these things directly. (laughs) What what is their response going to be when they hear from him? Well, also, let's keep this in mind related to that, Brittany, is one... Gordon Sondland scheduled next week. Two, the reason we don't have firsthand information is because Rudy Giuliani is refusing subpoenas. Mick Mulvaney is refusing subpoenas. There's like 10 individuals who are refusing subpoenas and the State Department is whole in whole cloth. Is that the phrase? They are completely refusing document uh, uh, delivery at the behest everyone is refusing those subpoenas at the behest of the trump administration that is right that is why we don't have first-hand information so anyway let's let's listen to bill taylor in his own words describe what manu razu was just talking about last friday a member of my staff told me of events that occurred on july 26th while ambassador volker and i volker and i visited the front 
As a member of my staff accompanied Ambassador Sondland, Ambassador Sondland met with Mr. Yerbach. Following that meeting, in the presence of my staff at a restaurant, Ambassador Sondland called President Trump and told him of his meetings in Kyiv. The member of my staff could hear President Trump on the phone asking Ambassador Sondland about the investigations. Ambassador Sondland told President Trump the Ukrainians were ready to move forward. Following the call with President Trump, the member of my staff asked Ambassador Sondland what President Trump thought about Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland responded that President Trump cares more about the investigations of Biden, which Giuliani was pressing for. At the time I gave my deposition on October 22nd, I was not aware of this information. I am including it here for completeness. As the committee knows, I reported this information through counsel to the State Department's legal advisor, as well as to counsel for both the majority and the minority of this committee. It is my understanding that the committee is following up on this matter. Taylor is a, a, a diplomat, a lifelong public servant whose integrity is beyond reproach. Undeniable, this guy's loyalty. He's not a never-Trumper. By definition, he's not a never-Trumper because when someone came to him, Mike Pompeo, to recruit him back into public service, he said yes. That means he's not a never-Trumper. Also, there were di diplomats and security individuals, professionals, like 300 of them or something, who wrote a letter disavowing Donald Trump's policies. Bill Taylor's name was not on that. He's not a never-Trumper, even though Donald Trump and the Republicans now are saying so, because they have nothing else. Here's the other thing that this sober, lifelong diplomat and public servant said about Donald Trump leveraging some kind of result, leveraging national security for some kind of a personal political result. Ambassador Taylor, now that we've established that you ultimately did understand that President Trump was withholding the security assistance um, and a White House meeting from Ukraine until they announced these investigations to benefit his reelection campaign, Let's go back a little bit in time to when you first learned about this conditionality. And on September 1st, so a little more than a week before that text we just read, you sent another text to Ambassadors Sondland and Volker, which should be also be on the screen in front of you. And if you could read what you wrote to them. Are we now saying that security assistance and White House meeting are conditioned on investigations. And Ambassador Sondland responded, call me. You now, did. what information had you learned that prompted you to write this text message? I had learned that uh, in Warsaw, um, after the meeting, Vice President Pence had with President Zelensky, uh, Ambassador Sondland had had meetings there and had described uh, to Mr. Yermak, the assistant to President Zelensky, um, that the security assistance was also held 
pending announcement uh, by President Zelensky in public of these investigations. Before that, I had only understood uh, from Ambassador Sondland that the White House meeting was conditioned. And at this time, after I heard of, uh, of this conversation, uh, it struck me, it was clear to me that security assistance was also being held. You said previously that you were alarmed to learn this. Why were you alarmed? It's one thing to try to leverage a meeting in the White House. It's another thing, I thought, um, to leverage security assistance, security assistance to a country at war, um, dependent on both the security assistance and the demonstration of support. It was, it was much more alarming. The, the, the White House meeting was one thing, security assistance was much more alarming. So here's the thing. This was a turning point giving Republicans, and they were doing it all day, but certainly after this a lot, for them to say, yeah, well, they ended up with the money. The money was released. It's not a problem because money was released. And it was only on hold so Donald Trump could vet Zelensky, which is completely ignores the fact that Congress had already appropriated this money. All the vetting, all of that was already done because Congress pulled the trigger and appropriated the money to be dispensed. Nonetheless, Republicans want to say, no, 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 it didn't matter. The money ended up there anyway. And when you talk about vetting Zelensky, you're talking about how much of a yes man is this guy going to be? Well, that's not what Republicans say. Ultimately, yeah, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's yeah. the truth of the matter. Right. Republicans contend, though, that Donald Trump was so concerned about corruption that he wanted to hold back on giving the aid that had already been approved by Congress mm -hmm. because he wanted to make sure that the, 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 the battle against corruption was really taking place. But he really wanted to make sure Zelensky <laughs> loved his ass. Yeah. He really I want to make sure he really loves my ass. <laughs> so, but here's the deal. Mm -hmm. Here's the fucking easy deal about this. You can't argue with the timeline. The money was released on September 11th. On September 9th, the White House learned that there was a whistleblower complaint about this. Is that not suspicious to anybody? Do Republic that doesn't matter at all. All this happens in a vacuum. We don't need to, oh no, whatever. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. oh, Trump's noble. He's looking out for corruption. It's just a coincidence that once they found out, oh shit, the jig is up, then they release the money. Here's Adam Schiff talking about it. Now I would point out, and this may not have come to your attention, but it certainly came to our attention. On September 9th, Inspector General informed our committee that the Director of National Intelligence was withholding a whistleblower complaint in violation of the statute. By that point on September 9th, that had complaint had made its way to the White House. On September 9th, when the Inspector General informed Congress that that complaint had been withheld, 
the White House also learned that Congress now inevitably would learn about the complaint. It was less than 48 hours later that the military aid would be released. Could it be any more nakedly corrupt? Well, it's also so the Republicans aren't even trying to give an explanation here. That would be the thing, right? Is if they tried to have a defense yeah, for some of this, but exactly. they but they don't. They're not they're not saying anything to provide a rebuttal. It's distract for the factual information. It's here. Look over here. They're 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 arguing about process. They're bitching about how the the the, the hearings are being conducted. Yeah. Anything other than actually putting up a defense. They're arguing about the process. They're engaging in character assassination. Yeah. Outside of that, they don't have an actual response for what occurred here. Yeah. And, and that's what we're all waiting for. I mean, we would be open to hearing it. <laughs> we want to hear it, in fact. Like, can you try? Yeah, what <laughs> is the legitimate defense here? Yeah. And, and they're not offering that. They're not asking legitimate questions. All they're trying to do is discredit and uh, divert attention of the public and confuse the public. <laughs> Jim Jordan confuses himself. Yeah. He, he, I think at one point during his questioning, he said, can you answer the question? And Yovanovitch was like, was there a question there? And he couldn't even remember what the question was because he's just, <laughs> yeah. he's just filibustering. He's, he's just going yeah. on and on trying to say whatever he can to obscure, obscure what the actual issue is. I think what is constantly on his mind is where did I leave my suit jacket? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's really all that we really want to talk about for day one, Wednesday. Today was Marie Ivanovich. She doesn't really isn't much of a fact witness other than to, to point to process and how she was taken down. She does know about the general the general operation of the administration there. Let me also say this before I move on. There have been three witnesses. Every single one of them has shown deference to the president of the United States and the presidency. Mm -hmm. Every single one has stated openly over and over and over that they serve at the pleasure of the president of the United States. They don't argue with that. Even Marie Yovanovitch today didn't complain that she was shit-canned from her post for no cause. She understands. She serves at the pleasure of the fucking idiot in the White House. She just had a problem with character assassination on her way out. Before we get to that, though, here's Chris Stewart, congressman from Utah. And he's asking a series of questions, but, but I want to I focus on this one question because it really is, uh, it's telling of exactly how the Republicans are trying to obfuscate. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and others. And uh, Ambassador, thank you for being with us here today. Uh, welcome, as I said last, uh, a couple days ago to the witnesses. Welcome to year four of the impeachment proceedings. I'm sorry that you've gotten drugged into this. For three years, we've heard these outrageous and, frankly, unbelievable accusations regarding Russian collusion, uh, accusations that we now are, know are absolute nonsense. There was no basis at all, despite promises from 
some members of this committee that they had secret proof that would prove this collusion, and again, we know that it was nonsense, but now in year four, we apparently move on to Ukraine and quid pro quo, culminating yesterday when the Speaker announced that the President would indeed be impeached and removed for office for bribery. And with that uh, statement, I would now feel compelled to ask you, Madam Ambassador, as, as you see it here before us, very simply and directly, do you have any information regarding the President of the United States accepting any bribes? No. Do you have any information regarding any criminal activity that the President of the United States has been involved with at all? No. Thank you. Thank you for answering that directly. The American people know this is nonsense. The American people know this is unfair. And I have a prediction regarding this. I think that public support for impeachment is actually going to be less when these hearings are over than it is when the hearings began. So what's interesting about this is if you Google Chris Stewart bribery, the Federalist is running this. Fox News is running this. Yeah, yeah. All of these conservative media Steve outlets. Steve Scalise. Mr. I'm David Duke without the baggage is tweeting about this. Yeah, the Fox News title says Chris Stewart takedown of Yovanovitch shows Democrats have no case, GOP says. Fucking Fox News, man. And here's the thing. They've been criticizing, right, secondhand, thirdhand information. And Marie Yovanovitch started her testimony i mean she didn't start it was somewhere in her like 30 minute opening statement where she described the limitations of her contribution because she wasn't in ukraine during certain pivotal because she was fired right she was fired because of a concerted effort of giuliani and lev parnas and fucking uh and uh, the other uh, Igor Fruman. Right. And so they're asking her questions about things that she's not claiming to know yeah. and what aren't even claimed as the issue here. They're asking for third and fourth hand information. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they're also using her to support the case against impeachment. Yeah. When she is that type of witness that they're criticizing. The other thing is the question that he asked. He asked, do you have any evidence that Donald Trump received a bribe? No one is contending that Donald Trump was bribed. We're all contending that he was offering a bribe. He's trying to extort. No one says he accepted a bribe. What the fuck? Chris Stewart, you fucking ding dong. Anyway, that was part and parcel. That's just a model of what went on today in the hearing. Here's another one. Jim Jordan going off about Ukrainian election interference because of an article that was written. They're, they're, they're grasping at fucking straws trying to find anything. It's, it's not one single defense that they're trying to do. It's anything they can do to try to distract and confuse public attention, allowing Fox News to run all kinds of crazy headlines. All this going on, and when you couple that with the concerns he has about corruption, the concerns he has about Europe not doing enough, the concerns he has about 
reluctance to send in the hard-earned tax dollars to any country. Mr. Jordan, frankly. I have indulged you with extra time, but I appreciate I, my indulgence is wearing out. I appreciate it. Uh, there is a question. Our, right? our indulgence wore out with you a long time ago, Mr. Chairman. Well, I, I'll tell you that. I'm about to gavel you down, so if you have a question, I suggest you... you I'm asking her, is, is, do you think there's maybe a reason that, this was, that, that, that President Trump's concern was justified? You know, I, I can't speak for the president on this. Um, but what I would say is um, you've listed a number of actions. I, I think from my point of view, uh, that, doesn't, um, that doesn't create a Ukrainian government strategy uh, to interfere in our election. I didn't say that. Uh, Mr. Jordan, please allow the ambassador to answer the question. So I, I would just say that, um, you know, U.S. politicians will often <laughs> criticize policies of uh, foreign, uh, foreign counterparts, even perhaps during their elections. Uh, you know, this, this happens in politics, and I think that it, it doesn't necessarily constitute interference. Would you ever write an op-ed critical of a presidential Jordan, candidate in Ukraine? Jordan, your time has expired. Let me say this. Let me offer some rare praise from me to Adam Schiff. It is rare. Yeah, I, I'm not a giant fan. In the past, I have not been a giant fan of Adam Schiff. I don't like that he said we had clear evidence, but I can't say what it is, clear evidence of collusion between Donald Trump and the Russians. That's a problem when nothing materialized. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. He he tends to be quite partisan. He has tended to be. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf on the guy. Mm-hmm. And mainly because of the juxtaposition between the way he's running this and the way Jerry Nadler ran the judiciary <laughs> hearings. Yeah. Which was a fucking shit show. Mm-hmm. Adam Schiff is running a tight ship here. He's not letting these fucking idiots run roughshod over him. They passed a resolution in the House establishing the rules and how this thing would go down. And at every point, Devin Nunes has tried to undermine that. Oh, my God. Trying to give time to, to Stefanik, Elise Stefanik from New York. When that's not the rule. The rule is, for the first 45 minutes, the chairman and the ranking member have the time that they can pass off to counsel if they'd like. She is not counsel for the minority. She is a freshman member of Congress. So I I, I, uh, I tip my hat, sir. <laughs> I just did a little tip of the hat to, yeah. to, to, uh, to Adam Schiff. I think he's doing a fucking good job here. Yeah. For sure. So let's talk about Adam Schiff doing a good job in the moment because Donald Trump was tweeting while Marie Yovanovitch is giving her testimony. Donald Trump is trying to intimidate the witness in real time from the bully pulpit of the White House. He tweeted everywhere Marie Yovanovitch went turned bad. (laughs) She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Then fast forward to Ukraine, where the new Ukrainian president spoke unfavorably about her in my second phone call with him. It is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. They call it serving at the uh, pleasure I, of the president. Hang on. That is, I, that's the <laughs> thing I fucking hate the worst. It's called memory and other things. It's, it's that thing that he does. It's called this. It's called paper. You write on it. 
fucking idiot. The U.S. now has a very strong and powerful foreign policy, mm. much different than preceding administrations. It is called, quite simply, America first. Even though Lindsey Graham just said, well, actually, there was no, no foreign policy. There's no cohesive foreign policy whatsoever. That's the problem. That's his defense of Trump is that there is no foreign policy. With all of that, however, I have done far more for Ukraine than O. Than Obama. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Yes. What a fucking... Ah! Isn't your life better for having heard that? Having read that tweet? It really is. Yeah. So in real time, Donald Trump wants to get her reaction to this witness intimidation in front of the fucking world. Adam Schiff wants to get her reaction. That is right. Mr. Ivanovich... Uh... As we sit here testifying, the president is attacking you on Twitter, Um, and I'd like to give you a chance to respond. I'll read part of one of his tweets. Everywhere Marie Yovanovitch went turned bad. Imagine what is, I mean, think about what is happening right now and put it in perspective of history. Because there wasn't social media during Nixon. Fuck, there wasn't even internet during Nixon. Not for like another 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, how nice. This is a weird time that we live, a bizarre and unique time in the, that we live that technology is allowing everyone, one, to tune in from wherever the fuck they are. <laughs> but also that the president can be reaching his hand into the congressional hearing room, yeah. the Longworth office building. Mm-hmm. And intimidate a witness in real time. While Adam Schiff is trying to run this show, he got a little notification on his Candy Crush screen and was like, oh, <laughs> looks like looks like Donald Trump's tweeting. I've got to click on this. Let's see. Well, they had it up. They have the whole multimedia thing set up where she could read the tweet right on the screen. Hey, you're being intimidated. Here you go. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Uh, he goes on to say... Uh, later in the tweet, is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. First of all, uh, Ambassador Ivanovich, the Senate has a chance to confirm or deny an ambassador, do they not? Yes, advise and consent. But would you like to respond to the president's attack that everywhere you went turned bad? Well, I... I mean, I don't... I don't think I have such powers, uh, not in Mogadishu, Somalia, and not in other places. I actually think that um, where I've served over the years, um, I and others have demonstrably um, made things better, you know, for the U.S. as well as for the countries uh, that I've served in. Uh, Ukraine, for example, where there are huge challenges, including, you know, on the issue that we're discussing today of, of corruption, Huge challenges, but they've made a lot of progress since 2014, including in the years that I was there. And I think, in part, uh, I mean, the Ukrainian people get the most um, the most credit for that. But a part of that credit goes to the work of the United States and um, and to me as the ambassador in in the United uh, in Ukraine. Ambassador, um, you've shown the courage to come forward today and testify notwithstanding the fact you were urged by the White House or State Department not to, notwithstanding the fact that, as you testified earlier, 
president implicitly threatened you in that call record. And now the president in real time is attacking you. What effect do you think that has on other witnesses' willingness to come forward and expose wrongdoing? Well, uh, it's very intimidating. It's designed to intimidate, is it not? I, I mean, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but I think the effect is to be intimidating. Well, I want to let you know, Ambassador, that some of us here take witness intimidation very, very seriously. Uh, Mr. Goldman. So here's what's happening here. It's clear that he is setting up uh, a narrative that they could follow down, which is to have an additional charge. I mean, Donald Trump, after all, is writing his articles of impeachment in real time here of witness intimidation. His mob boss tactics in real time. But this is a setup because he, on the July 25th call with Zelensky, actually predicted, he he foretold this was going to happen. Something about the some bad shit's going to happen to her. What was the phrase? Well, let me give a little bit of context before I get to the, the Trump part of it. So I'm just going to give a little bit of what Zelensky said prior to Donald Trump making that comment. Yeah, please, please. On top of that, I would kindly ask you... Is this you, Zelensky? Yes. If you have any additional information that you can provide to us, it would be very helpful for the investigation to make sure that we administer justice in our country with regard to the ambassador to the United States from Ukraine. As far as I recall, her name was, as he says here, Ivanovich. Yovanovitch, but it yeah. says Ivanovich. Yeah. It was great that you were the first one who told me that she was a bad ambassador because ah, I 100% ag- or I agree with you 100%. This Kathy. is very telling. 100%. A hundred. <laughs> 100%. Mm. You were the first one to tell. It's almost as though Zelensky's reaching through to any, anyone out there who's listening. Donald Trump was the first one to tell me how bad Marie Yovanovitch was. No one else believes that. Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin trying to poison the well. Rudy Giuliani trying to poison the well by virtue of the Fruman and Parnas. No one in the State Department believes she is bad news. Donald Trump is telling the... the, And why would not the president of of, uh, Ukraine believe the president of the United States? Yeah, we got a bad one over there. And he's saying, you're the first one to tell me. Please continue. I'll probably interrupt more. He continues, her attitude toward me was far from the best. She admired the previous president and she was on his side. She would not accept me as a new president well enough. And then Donald Trump comes in. Well, she's going to go through some things. I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call and I'm also going to have Attorney General Barr call and we will get to the bottom of it. She's going to go through some things. That is an ominous statement, is it not? That is a setup. Explaining what is going to take place. She's going to go through some things. And we're witnessing right now. 
some of the things that she has is going through at the hand of Donald Trump. Witness intimidation. She was fired without cause. Let go from a job she was doing an exemplary performance at. Well, the tone in the hearing room was one that gives me hope at the end of the hearing. Adam Schiff gives a statement, very quickly gavels out because the entire day was filled with interruptions for parliamentary inquiry, for, from, from uh, motions, uh, introduction of evidence into the record, but anything they could do to slow and herky-jerk stop the process of the hearing. This is how the hearing ended, and it, it, made, it made me a little emotional. I'm going to stop it and start it again. All you hear is immediately we're adjourned and he gavels out and then members of the Republican Party pester him to try to to say their bullshit and make make a, make a problem. And then he, you can hear Adam Schiff say, "Let allow, the, please allow the witnesses out. Everyone, stay seated. Let them go." You're adjourned. Mr. Speaker, speaker, condition. Mr. Chairman, you Mr. Chairman, you disparage, you disparage those members on this side of the aisle. We should have a chance to respond to your disparaging remarks. Mr. Chairman, I demand or seek. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman. And rousing applause for Marie Yovanovitch and her performance. Rousing support for this lifelong public servant who has dedicated her life to the interest of America and bettering the countries in which she served. That's a big deal. That's a great thing, I think, that there was that much support in the room for her. Absolutely. I'm sure she felt it. Well, and it's hard not to, right? I mean, it's difficult to listen to her speak and come away from that and think, oh, what a partisan hack. Yeah. Oh, what a never Trumper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. worthless, terrible career. Uh, has only been only been to terrible places, only done terrible things. <laughs> That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. So what, how I was going to finish the show, and I've decided not to do it. You all owe me a debt of gratitude right now. <laughs> Is it because you can't take it anymore? I expect just showers of praise and adulation in the email. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Tomorrow, mm -hmm. when, when, because I'm not putting you through Donald Trump's, let's see how long it is. <laughs> yeah. Four minutes and 45 seconds. Mm. He, after a press conference, he had a press conference today. Uh, covering some issue, and then they started asking him questions. And for about five minutes, he rambled on. Uh -huh. I'll tell you, what, I'll give you 30 seconds of it, and then we'll, we'll pull the plug. Uh, yeah, please. President, uh, what do you say to Democrats that say you were witness tampering this morning when you uh, made that tweet? You don't want to talk about transparency? Well, no, I'll talk about transparency. I like transparency here, and I'm the most transparent president in history. And I'll tell you about what tampering is. Tampering is when a guy like Shifty Shift doesn't let us have lawyers. So anyway, that's how it went for about five minutes. 
mischaracterizing due process, not understanding what the impeachment process is, having a fundamental misunderstanding and fucking ignorance of the Constitution of the United States, the same Constitution to which he swore an oath. Get the fucking fuck out of here. How can you swear allegiance and an oath to something for which you have zero understanding or knowledge? Have I mentioned that Donald Trump is a piece of shit, Brittany? You really have. Have I? Yeah. It seems like a new thing for me. No, it's pretty much a catchphrase <laughs> of the show, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're not going to go through all that. I really was going to was gonna play it until I couldn't bear it anymore. But you, you can't even bear but, it and you didn't even I start. Can't, I can't even bear it. <laughs> I can't. And you didn't even start. So we love your thoughts on this. We're going to end the show there. We appreciate you guys. We love you. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for your support on Patreon. Thank you for your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. All of that mean the world to us. We will see you next time. In the meantime, we'd love to hear what you think about this, what you think about anything we've said in past episodes. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I expect to have my email inbox filled with Thanksgiving submissions in the coming days. I thank you in advance. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. President Zelensky, quote, loves your ass. <laughs> <laughs>